Welcome to an In the Thick of It special. Um, I'm Colin Lambert, Managing Editor of P&L, and um, today I'm joined by Alan Schwartz, CEO of FX Spotstream, to um, get Alan's perspective on what are unprecedented times in, in, in the world, let alone markets and foreign exchange markets. Um, obviously, many of you have been in contact over the past few months um, expressing, expressing bewilderment in many cases about what's going on. So hopefully today we can give you a good insight into how one business in particular is, is coping with, um, as I say, unprecedented conditions. So, Alan, welcome to the podcast. Um, I thought we could kick off, like, to try and pick up some of your key takeaways from the last couple of months, um, you know, since we had these volatility spikes and obviously, you know, the world, the world kind of changed for people. So what's, what are your key takeaways from, from those, from that period? Got it. Uh, thanks uh, for the opportunity, Colin, and, and for those who are going to listen. Uh, first, I hope everybody's doing uh, well, as well as we can under these circumstances, um, and uh, that the market uh, participants are doing well. Uh, these are, these are, Colin, these are incredible times. Um, I've, I've never seen anything like this. Um, uh, I do consider myself and, and uh, a lot of our colleagues to be fortunate to still be able to do what we do uh, there's just a lot of people out there who, who are not as fortunate as we are. So I want to put everything I say in context uh, because it is, yep. it is a very difficult time for, for a lot of people. Um, it goes without saying that uh, it's, been, it's been an incredibly volatile uh, environment, uh, certainly starting in February and then without a doubt uh, carrying into March. Um, we've not seen... Uh, since I started the company with the banks uh, in uh, 2011, we've not seen uh, this amount of volatility, this amount of uh, data going through our service. I mean, it's just, uh, I'll, I'll later share some stats. It is just uh, amazing to, to see. Um, you know, what, what has amazed me uh, is, you know, there's always during these times, and we look at 2008 and other times like that, there's always questions about the FX market. Um, once again, uh, from our perspective, the market held up extremely well. And what do I mean by that? Um, uh, the banks uh, were there to support the banks that were, were there to price, and the clients were trading. Um, of course, there are pockets of instances when uh, a bank may not be pricing a, a particular pair or a client may not be trading, um, but out of the entire month of March, the entire month of March, there is not one instance in which uh, a bank or a client through our service had to break a trade, which is just, which is just amazing. I mean, the, 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 the spreads obviously were all over the place. Uh, uh, you know, some currency pairs, the gaps were incredible. But what's amazing to me is how orderly the market was. And that's something really, you know, as people study this, uh, this event, um, it'll be good to take note of it and to examine it. Um, you know, I, I think that's, a, that's probably the, the most um, uh, amazing part of what we observed in March is that it was orderly, uh, the banks were there, um, and uh, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't, you know, uh, panic, uh, at least in terms of being able to get uh, things done. So I think that was, that was uh, good to see. We did see uh, uh, some liquidity conditions uh, get challenged, uh, as I'm sure your listeners uh, observed. Uh, in gold, for example, 
because of all yeah. the disruptions uh, and having to do really with, in part, uh, the ability to deliver. Uh, it's amazing how you know, people trade gold, but nobody really understands how much is kept uh, at the New York Fed in, in, in this vault somewhere underground in, in, uh, in New York City. Um, but that is, you know, in the background uh, and the inability uh, to actually get physical delivery uh, and the refineries closing down, et cetera. You know, towards the end of, uh, of March, we obviously saw uh, the banks uh, no longer pricing or reducing uh, the amount of, of liquidity in gold. Um, and then we also saw some uh, NDF pairs uh, challenged. Um, you know, the Philippine peso, uh, the Korean won, uh, INR, IDR. Um, and as, as you would expect, in particular, you know, the Philippine peso, when they went into a lockdown, that obviously uh, resulted in a, in a significant decrease in liquidity on or about the 17th of, of March. Um, but, but putting those items aside, um, we, we saw uh, the banks pricing and we saw uh, the clients trading uh, and we saw that uh, 24-5. Um, so that, yeah. that to us was, was, uh, was, was a really, really good sign for the market as a whole. And, and those those disruptions that we did see, I mean, you could argue that they weren't actually market structure related anyway. They were very much driven by outside events, weren't they? Absolutely. I mean, nobody can control a government locking down the whole population. Nobody can control uh, a government preventing a refinery from uh, doing what they do. Nobody can control, um, you know, obviously gold as, as as you know your listeners know gets shipped uh, uh uh in airplanes sometimes um and you can only uh, my understanding is you can only put so much gold on a plane not because of the weight but because of the insurability of the gold um and so the ability yeah. to transport actually got impacted so there are many ex- many exogenous events that impacted uh the bank's being price so it wasn't a, a desire not to it was some underlying conditions that impacted the ability for uh, banks to price in certain NDF pairs and, and in gold in particular. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned there that you know, obviously uh, the banks stayed in the market, and I think generally that's the experience um, of the majority, I would have to stress, in, the, in these markets. Um, what, did you, what were your observations around fuel rates? Because we've seen fuel rates elsewhere drop um, quite – I mean – the headline number may not be dramatic, a 10% drop, but that's quite a significant difference if you're the one suddenly getting a 70, 75% fuel ratio. What were fuel rates like on FX Uh the, it, it was amazing, Colin. So uh, you're 100% right that, um, you know, a, a, any decrease in fill rate is not good. For us, if I, if, I, if I look at our stats and I look at January across the entirety of the service, uh, all clients, all banks, et cetera, our fill rates in January were 97%. In February, yeah. 96.85%. Really, really, really good, right? Um, yeah. When we look at March, we went from a 97% fill rate in January to a 93% fill rate. So a decrease from March to Feb of 3.9%. In that environment, with that volatility in those conditions, that to me is an incredible incredible statistic. And that just shows that the banks and the clients, you know, were there to do business 
acknowledging that you know the market was incredibly volatile that there was all kinds of you know risk conversations and credit conversations that had to take place but you know the banks were there to do business and support the market and vice versa if that wasn't the case those fill rates would not be would not be where they are um so to me to see that in retrospect and look at a 93 percent fill rate a difference of 3.9 percent versus fed uh, in march um that 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 for us does everything yeah I, I, I guess I would also observe that that's probably the benefit of the relationship model, though, isn't it? The fact that, you know, there's a higher degree of confidence that, you know, the, the LP knows who they're pricing and the client liquidity consumer knows who, you know, who their liquidity providers are. So that kind of gives a little bit of extra comfort, doesn't it? I, I think that's right. And you, you, you published an article, uh, I think, or, or an opinion piece, I think it was last month sometime, where you looked at uh, disclosed versus anonymous. And one of the things that I think you point out, and rightly so, is that in, in the disclosed model, which is what we are, there is that comfort level between uh, the counterparties knowing each other uh, and understanding the liquidity pool. So it's not like all of a sudden overnight uh, they stop knowing who that counterparty is. And in fact, because they know each other, when there are topics about credit and things of, of that nature, um, you know, it's a very easy conversation to have. You're, you're no longer, yes, you might have to evaluate the risk profile of your counterparty because something happened, right? But generally speaking, you know who it is. There are constant conversations going on. Um, and so, yes, I mean, uh, to me, uh, the fact that uh, we, we saw these kind of fill rates uh, during this, this uh, uh, time, um, just really continues to support what we've been seeing uh, for a long time now, which is a shift from the anonymous model to a disclosed model. Um, and it shows that during these times, that model does very well. Yeah, yeah. And I, th I think it's part of a longer term trend we've been seeing as well. I think it's a couple of years ago I first wrote about trying to sense in a shift towards that disclosed model. I mean, I think it just makes sense. It's more transparent. You know, if you know who you're dealing with and you're willing to put your name out there, it's a, it's a more transparent process. So um, probably we'll see that continue. But there's, a, there's my prediction for this podcast to go wrong. Um, you mentioned there, uh, you know, obviously no, no breaks on the platform, which is impressive. I agree. Um, I want to talk in terms of like the challenges around, you know, obviously you're getting message bursts at tremendous rates. I spoke to a bank that um, had one... I think they had a three-minute period where it was 20% over there, the extreme level they've actually tested for in terms of message throughput. So I want to sort of ask you in terms of like what the experience was around the platform around those um, messaging bursts, yeah, particularly when you've got people working remotely, because I think that's quite yeah, – that's, that's a whole different dimension to it, isn't it? And then maybe after that, we'll, we'll just talk in terms of some of the data that we saw from you. Yeah, I mean, 20% uh, Colin, that sounds like a, an incredible number because our numbers are just through through the roof. So just to put it in context, yeah. uh, you know, we had uh, record volume uh, uh, month in March. Uh, other other uh, yeah. venues uh, had a good month as well. For us, uh, and, and, you know, uh, updates and volumes don't necessarily correlate, but, you know, often they do. Uh, we supported $1.372 trillion uh, in March which is the highest we've ever supported, uh, the first time we, we crossed the trillion-dollar mark. Um, if we look just from, a, from an overall volume perspective, 
it was over 70% uh, versus what we did uh, in March of, of last year. Uh, our ADV yeah. went uh, to 62.4 billion, uh, which is 30% more uh, than February. Um, and uh, on March 9th, which is an interesting uh, date, we'll come back to that. On March 9th, we supported the most volume on any day, 90 billion, right? So the volume was just, you know, uh, you know, incredible uh, percentages above. But from from the amount of, of updates uh, and messages on the service, it was just, you know, something we've we've never seen. And despite that, knock on wood, unfortunately, the service held up extremely well. We had zero interruptions uh, in the service at all during the month of March. Um, to give you some concrete numbers, um, if I if I looked at the overall number of updates, um, and then we can talk about specific pairs where we saw a lot of activity in, in euro dollar and dollar yen. In terms of number of updates, the number of updates that we saw overall in January versus what we saw in February went up 30%. Okay, not not incredible up, uh, increase. Fine. What we saw in January versus March, 300%. 300% in terms yeah. of the number of updates, okay? To put it in perspective, again, if you recall, and your listeners probably do, um, March 9th and March 12th were significant events in, in the sense that, um, you know, there was obviously some correlation between the FX market and what happened in the equity market. The Dow Jones on yeah. the 9th went, went down 200 points. And on the 12th, it went down 2,300, which if I understand correctly, it was the worst day since the so-called Black Monday uh, in 1987, right? On both of those days, the, the activity on the service, not only from a volume perspective, I mentioned we had a daily high uh, on the 9th, but from, a, from an update perspective, in, in those two days, March 9th versus March 12th, the number of updates on the service for uh, uh, euro dollar and dollar yen for just those two days were almost as much of as the entirety of January for euro dollar and about 80% for dollar yen. So in two days, March 9th and March 12th, the number of updates on just those two days were almost as much of as all of it in January for your dollar and 80% for dollar yen. Those are just, I mean, th those are those are just staggering. Yeah. And if I looked at if I looked at March 9th and March 12th, the uh, for again just for euro dollar and dollar yen, the the number of updates of just those two pairs on those two dates versus all of January was about half in just two days. So so it was mm -hmm. th these are numbers. You know, what we, we plan as do others, you know, and we say, okay, this year we expect our volume to go up. Uh, uh, consistent with that, we expect the number of messages to go up, et cetera, et cetera. So we plan for X percent for a year, and we look at our infrastructure. We look at capacity. We do all that kind of planning. We don't plan for three weeks or from one day to three weeks from now. It, it, is, it is just, it is just an, a staggering amount of information that, that – that went through the service. And I have to imagine that others have seen something similar. So when you said to me 20%, uh, that, that is a very small number based on what we saw. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean obviously this was somebody who sets their, their barriers very high, but I mean, it's even more incredible if you consider that 
in that environment, you don't have people sitting next to each other in the office who can actually discuss, you know, short-term challenges or manage or manage the flows. And it's it's this this happened in a work-from-home environment, which I guess must please you in terms of, you know, the infrastructure you've built around the business. Yeah, listen, we 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 are very pleased with the volumes, uh, but I wish it was under different circumstances. Everybody would agree with that. Yeah. But we are very, very pleased with the fact that um, we were able to cope uh, with no issues um, because ultimately, you know, we, we, we exist to support the market. If you can't support the market, then you're nothing, right? Um, and so the fact yeah. that we were able to do that uh, to us is, is really what, what, what we're, we're, we're very happy about. The bonds are very happy about, sure, but the fact that we were there to support the market. Um, the other thing, by the way, I, I talked about, the updates, but what we also looked at order count, uh, and we looked at again. We, we looked at March 9th and March 12th as as interesting, and then all of March, the order count as well, as well Colin. Um, uh, on March 9th, if we looked at the pre-March period, was up, was up 106 percent, 106 percent March 9th that day versus the pre-March uh, average period on March 12th, 94 percent. If we compare January versus March, 95%. So the, these are just staggering numbers um, yeah. that, you know, mo- most times the wheels just fall off the wagon. Uh, and again, so we, we, were, we were pleased with, with that. And, and yeah, I think you're, you're right that to see, to see what happened when people were remotely uh, working and not be able to talk to each other, et cetera, uh, it, it just says a lot about the market, the people in the market, the functioning of the market. I think that's, that's when the FX market shines, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's always been that way. Did you see anything that surprised you? Um, so in, in, in retrospect, no. But at the, <laughs> the time, the numbers yeah. are surprising, right. obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, oh, so, so uh, yes, the, these numbers were, were shocking. Uh, you know, the, the volume wasn't a surprise in the sense that every day you could just see it coming, build, 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 build. But I didn't look yeah. at, you know, the, the order count and the update count until after the fact, and that was, that, that was shocking. Um, the other yeah. thing that, that it, it, you know, surprised me at the time, but not in hindsight now that you kind of say, okay, I understand everything happened, but the amount of, of volume, uh, uh, the change in, in uh, euro dollar uh, and dollar yen, um, at the time, uh, as you're in the moment, it surprised me how much we're doing. And when I look at the statistics, you know, the amount of dollar yen uh, volume that we supported, if I look at March uh, versus January, was up 135%. 135%. The amount of business we supported in our Tokyo uh, site was over 100% versus that. that that's just, those are, those are just crazy numbers. Um, Euro dollar as well, uh, it was up uh, March, uh, Jan, uh, 43%. So that that to me um, at the time was like, are, are these numbers correct? It was just an incredible. I mean, we would come in and we would see the number of yards just being done in dollar yen, and we we're like, guys, is this is this possible, right? Um, in retrospect, it's yeah. not surprising. It, it makes sense, right? But at the at the time, um, that that definitely uh, surprised me. Um, and the amount of, of, uh, of updates and order, uh, you know, the order count we obviously saw. The updates we monitor 
but we don't, you don't put it in, in the context that we did, you know, looking back. Um, but the order count we did see go up and up and up. And, you know, every day we would say, you know, how much, how much more is this going to increase? You know, do we you know, and, 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 you know, it's not like you can all of a sudden, you know, unless you have it right there sitting next to it, it's not like you can go ahead and get a box and put it in, in your data center, right? Uh, on yeah. top of which, yeah. what we did, and I'm sure others did as well, but what we did is we basically said, what matters is what's here, right? Let's not worry about doing something that uh, we don't need to do. So don't touch anything. Don't go into the infrastructure and start, you know, pulling wires and moving. Don't touch anything. Leave it the way it is. Even if it means we can't take a client live, wait, right? Um, so we didn't really have a yeah. freeze, but we had a recognition that, you know, leave things alone. And in fact, you saw the data centers Equinex where, where we have our equipment started putting restrictions on who can come in. Now you need appointments, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, at that point, you're, you're, you are where you are. There's very, very little you can do unless you have a lot of spare stuff sitting around. Um, and even if you did, we were of the mind of, you know, don't touch, just leave it alone. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, to put it into perspective as well, I mean, just before we move on, um, you know, obviously we've been comparing to January. You know, if you look at your historical mean, January was a good month. You know, it hadn't hit the yes. peaks that you hit in 2019, but it was certainly, if you look at the, the average over the previous maybe 15 months, it was certainly at the, towards the top end of that, wasn't it? Correct. Yeah, no, listen, I mean, yeah. Yeah, again, we, we, we've been very fortunate uh, on, on many levels, uh, getting the support of the banks, getting the support of the clients. The model works. You know, when we started the business back in, in 2011, there was a lot of people scratching their heads and naysayers, this won't work, that, 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 that whatever. And we just keep our head down. Um, but one of the reasons that, that the business was launched with the support of the banks was, you know, to address costs, right, and to address inefficiencies. Yeah. Um, and every year it seems like that is just more important, more important, more important. And now people are, again, going to be looking at, you know, costs, right? Um, so yeah. we, we've, been, we've been, you know, uh, timing has been good for us. Uh, you don't plan these things. Um, and when we look now at, at, uh, as we close Q1, we have been the fastest growing service since 2018. Uh, Q1, we maintain that. Um, so we, we've been building, but you know, no, uh, nobody predicted March. I, I didn't predict March. Uh, you know, no. I wouldn't be talking to you if I had. Yeah, <laughs> we'd be on the beach earning 20%, as a man yes. said in the film. Um, yes. So, I mean, do you think then what we do? You think what? Let's try and have a little glimpse into the future. And I know it's very, very difficult, but. Um, I mean, are we seeing what we will look back on as being a fundamental change in how FX markets operate, do you think? Or will we see a reversion back to the way things were, maybe, you know, the tail end of last year when, when this crisis hopefully passes? Um, so predicting the future is always interesting, right? I, I, I don't, I don't yeah. personally think that what happened in March uh, is, is going to be predicting the prediction of the future. It was just... It was an incredible uh, time, uh, and let me caveat that depending on what happens next. Um, we have certainly seen volume come down to more, quote-unquote, normal levels. When you look at, uh, you know, the equity market, it's we no longer see, for now, let's see what happens tomorrow, we don't see these moves of, you know, 10% up, 10% down. Obviously, when you look at the, the VIX 
that's, you know, come down as well. So I don't believe that, uh, you know, what we saw in, in March, the volume, you know, the spread, uh, all that is a prediction of the future. I do think, and these, these kind of events uh, tend to then uh, cause something that was going to happen anyway uh, to happen faster. I do think that this event, and given that everything functioned uh, the way uh, it did, will continue a shift at, that we've seen really since 2015, early 15, from anonymous to disclose, right? I, I do think that, you know, that is, just, you know, has this exacerbated that? No. But has this supported what somebody might have said, you know, why should I trade this way or that way? I think so because it, it, it worked very well. Um, all that said, there's still a lot of, of uh, news to come out. Uh, what do I mean by that? We, see, we seem to be, you know, at the top of, of the curve, if you will, with respect to this virus. But who knows, right? Uh, you know, yeah. some countries are, are potentially doing, quote, unquote, better than others, et cetera. If that continues uh, and we get over the mountains that are coming down the hill, then, you know, perhaps volatility will now, you know, ease. If we have a second wave, which is entirely possible, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, so I wouldn't predict that, then, you know, be careful. Um, we still don't yeah. know uh, what the damage, and there has been damage for sure. We still don't know how much damage has been caused to the economy, um, what the unemployment rate will continue to be. If we start seeing, you know, businesses, you know, uh, declare bankruptcy, um, you know, all those things, you know, how, how severe is the recession going to be? God forbid we start talking about depression. I, I hope not. I don't think so. I'm not, uh, you know, that's above my pay rate, but it seems that's not what people are predicting. But the extent to which all those things then, you know, uh, deliver uh, something unexpected, then we could see, you know, this type of volatility come back. Um, we obviously have the November U.S. elections coming up. Um, we don't know, at least in the U.S. market, what has this done to the housing market? Um, you know, what has this done to the mortgage market? Um, all those things are unknown. So uh, I would expect that the balance of this year is going to be interesting, to say the least. Uh, it's going to be volatile. I think we're going to have these kind of uh, periods. Will we have another uh, March? I don't know. I hope not. Uh, you know, it's, it's been great for, for volume, sure, but, but there's been so much misery that I hope not. Um, but I think the rest of the year is going to be uh, interesting with pockets of volatility. Yeah, yeah. Those second wave effects are something we really need to sort of, I, I guess, anticipate. But as you say, very, very difficult to know which way the, the cards are going to fall there. Um, Alan, thank you. That was a great insight into how a business operates under stressful conditions. Um, so thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Um, and to our listeners, thank you very much. Um, Alan and I will both um, express the wish that you stay safe and healthy. And um, we'll be back with another podcast um, next week. Thanks very much for listening.